Thanks for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. The following message is presented by our senior leader, John Poundstone. I'm really kind of conflicted about what I'm going to say next, but I think I'm supposed to say it, so I'm going to say it. Um, you know that in the Bible, there are every time you read the word power, it's typically one of two words, right? Power. One is authority, that's exousia, one is dunamis, which is like firepower, like explosive power. And so... Probably you've heard me say before that whether it's authority or it's firepower, all of that arises from how close we are to Jesus. The closer you are to the throne, the more power of his we carry. And the less concerned we are of ourselves, the closer you are to the throne, the less rights I have the less entitlement I have, the less it's about me. And I get his authority and his power. I can destroy enemy works. I can withstand the wiles of the enemy. I can take authority. I can walk in the victory that is truly mine, the inheritance that he gave me through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. So far, does that make sense? That's what I want to talk about for just a second. I don't want to talk about the darkness, but I have to refer to it. Today is October 2nd, 2022. October 31st, 2022 is 29 days away. Our region celebrates Halloween pretty almost parallel to how we celebrate Christmas. We were driving around last night looking at the Halloween lights in uh, in good neighborhoods. Now, I'm not scared of the dark, and I'm not superstitious. And if people want to put out whatever that celebrates death and necromancy and divination and evil, okay, that's your choice. It just comes at a cost. It just comes at a cost. It separates me from my proximity. And it opens me wide to the wiles of the enemy. Now, let me get off a supposed religious soapbox for a second and talk about what I experienced in real life. See, I spent many, many, many years in volunteer EMS in Montana. We saw physical assaults, domestic violence, those kinds of calls, much more starting at this time of the year and accelerating into that season. I was a court administrator for almost nine years as an elected official. This is the time of year that we begin ramping up for domestic violence proceedings. This is the time of year that we begin ramping up because we know that we're going to see more and more cases of crazy, of involuntary commitments, of youths in need of supervision, youths in need of care, of suicide, of All the things that arise in the evil realm. 
So I'm not here to judge you, and I'm not here to tell you what to do or not to do. You are creatures of full of, of um, free will. I will tell you that the crazy already started breaking out about 10 days ago, and, he, and your enemy is already having a good time. <laughs> so why in the world would we let him? Why in the world would we choose to say, oh, that's just superstition. Oh, come on, John, trick or treat. What's wrong with a few skeletons and a few zombies and a few worshiping the dead? So what? We'll just, just go look in Scripture and it'll tell you from Genesis to Revelation what you're inviting into your life. So, Alexandria said, we don't curse the darkness. We don't, we don't curse the darkness. We're not afraid of the darkness. We're not going to... On the other hand, you can't bring the light and play in the darkness at the same time. Two are mutually exclusive. We love you enough to ask Holy Spirit to guide and direct how you and your family celebrate this time of year. Because the real celebration is that he overcame all that. And there is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, which to me implies that there is unrighteousness, chaos, and misery in the unholy spirit. I submit that for your consideration. We love you just as much whatever you do. Amen? Thank you. So, I'm really, really happy to see this few people. Because, no, I'm really serious. Because, because th this is going to change the tone of how I bring this message. So may I please invite you to move in from the wings. Um, I'm not going to make you do it. I'm not a teacher in a classroom. But let's, if, if we can, let's kind of gather more together. Yeah. I do. And I actually really want to sit on the stool, but I, because because that seems more neighborly and fatherly and and uh, informal. But I'm just not supposed to, just not supposed to. But from a from a uh, from the standpoint of how formal this is, in my spirit, I'm sitting on a stool, just just having a conversation, just having a conversation. Is that okay with you all? Awesome. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I know that you want to, you want to have every one of us run in the full power available to us. That there's nothing that you desire more than to see us live from and live you and live through you in power. Amen. I want to just take a second and remind you that we are trying to not only bring the gospel of the kingdom in power um, over the course of these last many and for, for who knows how long, <clears throat> our city, our region, our families so desperately need and deserve that full gospel. Likewise, we can have the best strategy and the best structure in the world, but if our culture doesn't support it, one or the other has to give. 
and the old saying that culture eats strategy for breakfast and vision for lunch is true. So at the same time with this message, I'm trying to induce, reinforce the culture that we're trying to let God build, kingdom culture, heaven culture, uh, within this tribe. This is the third message I brought on in recent times on words, words. On the 4th of September, I, I brought a message that said words matter, words have mass, literally, or that words are permanent, they have power. Words have been shown to literally bend the space-time fabric that Albert Einstein talked about, the universe. Words carry with them the intent behind them. If words are a missile, if words are a bullet, then the spirit behind them is the powder, is the charge, and the caliber. The next week on September 11th, I brought a message that was focused on the assassination power of words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, which sort of implies that you can literally assassinate somebody with your words. And turns out the Bible says you can. So we, I brought a message around that, and uh, I, t I amplified the subjects of gossip and sarcasm as two particularly lethal forms of words. And so... I don't know if those are posted on the website yet, but be sure, if you want to, those would be great messages to check out. This message stands alone, doesn't require them as a prerequisite, but it is a good follow-on to them. Now, we've all heard many teachings on the tongue, and they're all very important. In fact, yours and my tongue is mentioned in the Bible 137 times. And today we're going to focus instead on another aspect of the anatomy of the mouth. Let's start with storms. Time and time again, I'll bring up an example of how I was born and raised in Montana. I spent a lot of time in the mountains, a lot of time, for all four seasons. I spent a lot of time with friends on rivers, in aluminum boats, drift fishing, Anybody's a drift fisherman in here, they know the brand name Koffler or Pram. We would float the Beaverhead in the Big Hole, the Jefferson, the Madison, the Gallatin, in those kinds of boats, fly fishing. They're aluminum. Now, when you're exposed in the high mountain areas, especially above treeline, doesn't really matter where, but above treeline especially, or you're floating down a river and those clouds start to come over the horizon and they're really, really black, and you start to see the sheet lightning, or you start to see bolts of lightning in the distance, right? If you're on an exposed mountainside, or you're in an aluminum boat with a fly rod in the middle of a river, you kind of want to pay attention to that. Never, I've never been a golfer, but I understand golfers need to pay attention to that. To kind of make sense, right? Out in the open with graphite or metal sticks, right? But, you know, I think sometimes I just wonder if God didn't design a few things backwards. I have a number of examples of that. We'll get into that some other time. But I really wish he could have made it so that thunder, a thunderclap happened a few seconds, depending on how far away the lightning was going to strike, 
from the bolt. First the fender, then the bolt. I think that would have been a much better design. And the closer that the bolt was going to be to the thunderclap, the more emergent I knew the situation was. I better get somewhere safer than where I am right now from lightning. Does that make sense? Yes. See, because the thunder right now, the way he has it designed, it's too late. It's way too late. By the time the sound is hurting my ears, I'm zapped. Lightning already happened. It'll, it's, it's already done whatever it's going to do before I ever hear it. See, and words are a little like the lightning. When I release them, that's the lightning. And then there's that delay before they land in the listener or on the listener. The thunder is a little like the receiver's experience. Did you ever post anything on social media that you subsequently deleted? Oops. Hoping that it was before too many people or a certain person saw it. Did you ever hit send on a text, a DM, or an email, then suddenly wish you could get it back? Did you ever say something with a certain tone, then, oh, so wish you could claw it back? Oh, no! No! Don't let those words land in that tone. Do you do you know, do you know anybody who's been struck by lightning, or ever heard of somebody who's ever been struck by lightning? Raise your hand if you have. Was their life forever altered in some fashion? Okay, so Marvel superheroes—if they get struck by lightning, their life is altered in a really cool new way. Superpower. How many people do you know who have been genuinely struck by lightning, whose life was altered permanently in a lovely way? I don't know any. Some of them ended up quite dead. One I know here in town, the, the young lady who cuts my hair, when I remember to have it done, um, her dad was struck a lot by lightning, not once but twice. She's a Nevada native, and she grew up in an area that's lightning prone in Nevada. And his life was forever altered. He is still alive, despite that happening so many years ago. Who Can you imagine being struck by lightning twice in your life? But he is jacked up. Medication, nervous system, uh, internal organs. He suffered his whole life from that. If only he could have heard the thunderclap first. I think one time he was on a horse, and another time he was installing a cattle guard, something like that. You know what? Words are a lot like that. They're a lot like that. Power, pause. 
I want to minister today the power of the pause. The power that can be found in the pause. This is a message similar to those I've brought before. And I thought, that's too soon to bring that message like that again. I looked in my records and it's been three years. So this is different from my prior messages, but it's a little similar. carries the same core. You know what, maybe here's a good place to start. And because we're, it's just us, it's just family, you know, it's, it's kind of great to have Bible readers read some verses. And so we're going to come around with a microphone, and it's important that you wait for the microphone, because this is, it will end up in the recording. So we have eight different readers to read John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. This is a very famous incident. You know the, when the Pharisees drugged the lady, the woman, and they had caught her in adultery? Very famous. You've heard this a lot of times. So we're just going to have these readers read it and try to make a mental video of it. Try to create a video of this of, in the town square when the religious leaders... act the opposite of the way that Jesus does toward this woman who was caught this way. So may I have, and you readers, you don't have to cite the verses. This is all out of John chapter 8, and it's verses 1 through 11. Okay, can I have the first reader read? Jesus walked up the Mount of Olives near the city where he spent the night. Then at dawn, Jesus appeared in the temple courts again, and soon all the people gathered around to listen to his words. So he sat down and taught them. Reader number two, please. Then then in the middle of his teaching, the religious scholars and the Pharisees broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery and made her stand in the middle of everyone. They said Jesus say, excuse me they said to Jesus teacher we caught this woman in the very act of adultery doesn't Moses's law command us to stone a death to death a woman like this tell us what do you say we should do with her They were only testing Jesus because they hoped to trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the laws of Moses but Jesus didn't answer them instead he simply bent down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Hmm. Hmm. He, angry, they kept insisting that he answer their question. So Jesus stood up and looked at them and said, Let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. And then he bent over again and wrote some more words in the dust. Hmm. Upon hearing that, her accusers slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, with a convicted conscience. Finally, Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there in front of him. So he stood back and said to her, Dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. Jesus said, Then I certainly do, don't condemn you either. 
Go and from now on be free, be free from a life of sin. Eleven short verses. That's the entirety of that story in the Bible. And yet, within that is massive power. Let's find it. Now, see, I don't know, and I'm not sure anybody really does, but I certainly don't know why Jesus drew in the dirt, let alone twice. Um, I love to make videos when I read in the Bible out of what's going on, imagining the time, the place, the context, the people present, the scene, who's saying what, who's doing what. And I've, I don't know how many times I've played this video in my head. My wife can tell you it's not always the most sane place between these ears. Um, but I have fun with my videos. And time and time again, I've wondered this video, why Jesus stopped what he was doing, got bent over and doodled in the dirt, let alone twice. Here's my favorite imagining. Let's let's take it here with his own brother, James. I think might might have might have kind of tripped us to it in the epistle that he wrote. This is verse one nineteen in the book of James. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So if you have these religious bullies dragging this woman to the town forum, shaming and condemning her, look, if I'm Jesus, I'm going to get honked off. And I'm going to act from that anger. I think it's possible that he felt the same way because he was fully man. The book of Hebrews says that he was just like us and went through everything we did. Physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, the whole nine yards. See, there's this one final point. Words pass after they leave my tongue, but before they actually launch, before the lightning strikes. There's one final point they pass. Before they become real. Before they bring death or life. That's my... Lips. Hard to see my lips. They're really thin. It's not appropriate that I wear lipstick. (laughs) But these things are very powerful. This anatomy is very powerful. Read my lips. How do you tell so-and-so is lying? Their lips are moving. Lips. That's kind of interesting. Guess what? The Bible mentions yours and my lips 115 times. Check out these scriptures and listen carefully for our key word today, lips. First, context. 700 years before Jesus was born, the great prophet Isaiah foretold about Jesus the Christ. Here are some verses we have all heard myriad times before. It's Isaiah 53, verses 4 but through nine. Verse four, surely he has borne our griefs 
and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of all. But check this out. In the very next verse, Isaiah prophesies Christ's brutal crucifixion. Verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. Twice Isaiah prophesies this. So he opened not his mouth. His lips remained closed. Now we all know that Jesus fulfilled every prophecy. 750 years later, the Bible records the Apostle Peter admonishing and exhorting us and confirming for us the fulfillment of verse 9. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23. In fact, you were called to live this way because Christ also suffered in your place, leaving you his example for you to follow. He never sinned and he never spoke deceitfully. When he was verbally abused, he did not return with an insult. When he suffered, he would not threaten retaliation. Jesus faithfully entrusted himself into the hands of God who judges righteously. See, Jesus the Christ conquered death in all its forms, including the mouth. Let that shed light on this now well-known verse. May I see slide two, please? Here it is in two different translations. Take a close look at those pictures. Go ahead and read that verse in both translations. Over at yourself and over one another. It's okay if you do it out loud too. Death and life. Death and life. In that order. Christ is life. Christ is life. The Apostle Paul explaining in detail to the church in Rome how no one is righteous on his own reminds us in Romans chapter 3 verse 13, the venom of asps, very poisonous Middle Eastern snake, the venom of asps is under their lips. I wonder, have you ever been stung with the venom of the words of others? Yes. Those of you who didn't raise your hand? Just because you didn't raise your hand doesn't mean you acknowledge that. But in order for us to move on, it's important that you do acknowledgement, acknowledge it at least to yourself and to the Spirit. So I'm going to ask this question again. I'm indifferent, I'm indifferent as to whether you raise your hand. 
Have you ever been stung with the venom of the words of others? The Bible also likens words at times to fiery darts. Ask Holy Spirit, reveal to me, O God, is there any poison still in my system? Are there any fiery darts still lodged? Are there any words spoken over me or into me that lodged as curses? Let's just take a second to minister to that. It sure happened in my life. Time and time again, the Spirit will bring up just this memory about something that happened. I remember being in the 8th grade, something that a PE teacher said to me and did to me. I remember being in the 7th grade that a fellow student said to me at a, that I tried to ask to dance, you know, because I was really short. And she was really cute. And she told me that, no, she wouldn't dance with me because I was too short. Weird. That just, But that stuck with me. When I was a freshman in high school, I didn't dare go down the senior hall because I was too tiny, and they, they literally stuck, stuffed me in lockers upside down. And did worse to me, but it was the words, the nicknames they called me that stuck. I didn't realize it, but they affected my spirit. You know? Anybody have children or nieces or nephews or friends' kids who are currently being affected at school by bullies? I know of two cases within people who are in this room. Venom. Poison in your system. Fiery darts. A little like lightning. Unhealed. Can mess up your life. Can mess up your walk. Can divert you. Can influence you in such a way that you don't see a situation for how it actually is. You see it for how you see it. It messes with your lens through which you see life. Did that make sense? Let's let Holy Spirit do some work. So, Alexandria mentioned earlier that sometimes silence is awkward and sometimes that's okay. <laughs> so, I'm going to introduce some some absolutely awkward silence and once again I'm going to allow you to pose that question to your absolutely best friend comforter and advocate reveal to me oh God is there any poison still in my system are there any fiery darts still lodged are there any words spoken over me or into me that lodged as Verses. That's just step one. Holy Spirit, please reveal. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Next step. Bring it up into the light. All the power of things like that is in the secret. Let's bring the light to the darkness. So, 
some of it the Holy Spirit will show you this. Is it is it more like a is it more like venom, like a toxin that's poisoning my existence, or is it more like a fiery dart or a knife that's stuck in me? What's it more like? God is so good. Here's the last step. It's this simple. He's been wanting to do this for so long. Yes, I know that's in you. Yes, I've I've seen it in you. Yes, I've been quite concerned because I see how it's messing with you even at times when you don't know it. So let's just take care of it. The cleansing blood of Jesus the Christ will flush all the toxins and replace it with His healing love. The power of the Holy Spirit will pull out the fiery dart, the spear, the knife, and it will bind up the Bible says it will bind up the brokenhearted. It will remove and heal. So now, in your spiritual, it's not your imagination, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, ask Him to do that. Father, send the healing power, the cleansing blood of Jesus. Flush out the toxin and replace it with your liquid love, your cleanliness. Create in me a clean heart by ridding myself, my system, my history of that toxin. Replace it with your goodness and mercy that will follow me the rest of my days. Likewise, if it's a stab wound of a fiery dart, a knife, a spear, I ask you to pluck it out. Pull it out, just like in the movies. And then heal up that wound, make it as better than before, altogether new, not even a scab or a scar, by your healing power. And we thank you, Lord, that you're faithful to do that. Amen? Amen? Now, if you have a testimony of something like that, that something that happened along that regard, be sure to tell somebody. Because the power of Jesus is in testimony. I'm not going to ask people to do that publicly necessarily, but make sure that you tell somebody that you trust. Okay? So that's if I have been the recipient of words. But aren't I also a dispenser of words? How do I make it so that I run around wounding people less? How do I get better at at, at issuing life in the power of my tongue. So we'll finish today with that. Every act alters the soul. Every time those people said those things to me, yes, they altered me, but they altered them too. Every act alters the soul of the doer. Anybody ever in this room have any regrets over something you've said to somebody before? Or a tone? Sure, of course. So let's work on our own mouths. Now, wise King Solomon in Proverbs twelve thirteen says, An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. Remember the verses our guest readers shared a few minutes ago? Do you recall from the verses we read that Jesus bends down to write in the dirt twice? 
Let's revisit those scriptures, and we're going to do it with a three-minute video. Pay close attention to when Jesus bends down, and maybe let's try to figure out why, what's going on, what's he trying to accomplish. Watch close. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So I can't prove to the, prove you this. I can't prove this to you exegetically, hermeneutically, or otherwise. But I think my theory is as good as anybody's. I think that the writing in the dirt could well have been diversion. Because the first time, this scenario that the Pharisees and scribes threw at him, there's no escape, man. It's darned if you do and darned if you don't. It's it's lose-lose no matter how you pick. Right? So, he knows the Holy Spirit always has a third alternative. So he bends down, taking their attention on that, so he can say, Abba, what do I do? Help me, Lord. Holy Spirit, I need you now. He stands up and 
introduces to them a third alternative that completely deflates, destroys, dissolves all their power. The second time, I propose to you, well, the first part that I'm going to say is not a proposal. Abba is always about repentance, redemption, and restoration. Always. Even the Pharisees and the scribes. In the New Testament, he is, he is always wanting to give anybody a chance to repent, to be redeemed, to be restored. So I think it's possible that the second time he bends down so that they can save personal honor, so they're not put on the spot, so they're less likely to enter into shame and condemnation, so that they can, they can, they can grasp what just happened. And, and, and the, the beauty and the attraction, the magnetism of this guy Jesus. Wow, what, what just happened? I, I want to be more like that. I want to think in a new way. I'm very attracted to whatever this is that just happened. I think it's a doorway to repentance, thinking in a different way. I think it's a doorway to redemption and restoration. For the woman, certainly. But also for the Pharisees and scribes. And I just wonder, maybe there was a 12-year-old, a 7-year-old, a 55-year-old in the crowd who's like, wow, I'm drawn to that. You know what? Every single time you and I get better at this, Everybody wins. The king is pleased and the kingdom is built. Power of the king is released. Closeness to the king is made possible. So we're going to race to the close. The Apostle Peter sets us up well. Verses 10 through 12 of his first epistle say this. For the scriptures tell us, Whoever wants to embrace true life and find beauty in each day, beauty, must stop speaking evil, hurtful words and never deceive in what they say. Always turn from what is wrong and cultivate what is good. Eagerly pursue peace in every relationship, making it your prize. For the eyes of the Lord, Yahweh, rest upon the godly and his heart responds to their prayers but he turns his back on those who practice evil Peter loves us Peter loved the audience to whom he wrote that epistle that is said in love not in condemnation what's the major key here the major key here is the power pause the major key here is please pause to listen for Holy Spirit. Pause to listen for the third alternative. Pause to understand, to seek to understand, then to be understood. Pause. Pause. So that you can be guided to give words, words that bring life, that create opportunity for peace, for solution, reconciliation. 
I sure wish your pastor would get better at this. And I guarantee you, speaking about him in third person, he really wants to. With his wife, with those he cares about, with y'all, with all those I don't like. We can emulate a man whom the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. Who was that man? King David. Jesus is many, many, many times great-grandfather. So on behalf of the king we are to follow and serve, I now implore you to impart deeply into your own soul some words also penned and spoken by King David. These words are already inside you if you're born again, both within the Holy Spirit within you and in your reborn spirit, man, woman. So let's activate them right now. Next slide, please, Debbie. Here's Psalm 141.3 in four different translations. Please say it aloud, and if you need to move to read them on the screen, please feel free to do so. Yes, say them out loud. Ready? Go. Make this your prayer. Say it aloud. Mean it. Please. You really have no idea how much our city, your family, those you care about, the circles you've influenced, really want to see the church moving in power. And the church moving in power always founds in love because God is love. Words are some of the most effective tools and or weapons in your arsenal to rise in power and to minister in love. We're going to close today in just a minute with a four-minute video. But again, I want to go back to them. Why is this man who ever lived short of Jesus? Who was that? King Solomon. He's accounted to be the wisest man who ever lived. I'm going to put some words up on the screen. Actually, Debbie is. That I think sum it all up beautifully. This is out of the book of Ecclesiastes, which if you haven't read that book lately, I read it pretty much every month. Once again, I invite you to at least mutter these words over yourself. Command yourself, direct yourself, invite yourself. <laughs> One of the Proverbs, I think it's 17, even says this, you know. When one's lips are closed, even the foolish appears wise. Yes. Your lips are one of the most powerful parts of your anatomy. Here's what I'm inviting you to do. Mull over the words up here on the screen. Receive them. And then contemplate words you have said just in this last week. Acknowledge words that brought death, death words, and ask forgiveness for them. Go ahead and acknowledge them and ask forgiveness for them. Then, seek and receive infilling by Holy Spirit to help you change your words. If we acknowledge them, if we put them up on the table, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us and bring us close to the throne again. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Close to the throne is where all the power is. 
So just review the last week or two days, if you're like me and have very short-term memory. <laughs> In order, and to help you with this, Matt Redman wrote a song years ago that I used to play on the keyboard a lot. I play, we played it on one worship team, too. We didn't do very well with that song, but it sure is a good song. Matt Redman does a great job with it. And um, it directly comes out of this, this scripture. So I'm just playing this video as background so that you can process the exercise I just introduced. Again, review your words of the last week. 10 days, 2 days. Ask Holy Spirit to point those ones up that ministered death or fell short of ministering the life you really wish you would have ministered. Acknowledge them before God. Ask forgiveness. It's that simple. Put you back in the power seat. Okay? Anytime, baby. You are God in heaven, and here am I on earth. So I'll let my words be few. Jesus, I am so in love
do you know that this is the first time I realized that all through that video is lightning? I didn't do that on purpose. I'm not that good. It's just, we started talk, this whole thing by talking about lightning and thunder. So if we're authors of lightning, all right. We stand in awe of you, Christ. Let our words be few, and may they reflect you. Here's my call to action and my benediction. Answer the call of people all around you who so desperately want and need, even though they don't know it, the power, the love, the identity. Of God. If you can show them in some fashion. what, How good God really is. What he's really like. And how much he loves and cares about them. One of the ways to do that is through our words. I can't begin to tell you. How many times. I've been confronted with an awkward situation. A horrible thing. I don't know what to say or do. Whatever I do is going to escalate it or make it worse, and I'll just stand there like a dummy. Looking at them, trying to smile. Awkward, awkward, awkward. I don't care what their expectations are. I hope I can come up with some words that are going to be better than I'm going to say on my own, emotionally, mentally, because uh, ask my wife. It makes people very uncomfortable. I wish I did it more often. Because when I answer out of my own knowledge, my own mind, my own emotions, it seldom goes nearly as well as if I power pause see if the Holy Spirit has something to say. Power pause and see if maybe I can maybe I can get a picture of Jesus and just awe Him and, 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 and revere Him and, and seek His beauty and the next thing that comes out of my mouth is something that ministers life more than death. So my call to you and my benediction is I Double dog dare you to try this this week. In the next one, two, three, seven, ten days, even if it's not needed, just try a pause. Set a guard over my lips, says in Psalm 141, right? And then speak. In your home, your household, your work. Your social media, those death-dealing fingers and thumbs. Just give it a try. Holy Spirit, we love you. We know that you are more real than anything I can see, touch, or feel. We love you and we appreciate that you're so willing to guide us, direct us, and give us words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 1030 a.m. held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about the Joy Life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday.